Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that takes you inside NRG Stadium, unless we are outside NRG Stadium. <laughs> we are. It's Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you on Texans All Access, and it's the Hyundai Texans mobile radio studio, as we are all over the place, as we often are. Next week is spring break. Johnny's going to host, I think, almost all of those shows. And I'll be on still, no matter where I am during spring break, because I have small children, and you don't anymore, yeah. Johnny. Your kids are oh. all, like, grown up now. So Yeah, they're, they're older. I don't know if I would say grown up. And sorry, I waved at the camera. I did all that because, you know, that's what I do with Drew on our in the lab. Uh, oh, I you know, see. On our Zoom call. And so yeah. I always wave, you know, right. just so the people – you know, it's friendly. It's always friendly to yeah. wave, to And we're shake on the radio, hands. so it really doesn't do us much good. Yeah. But I know it threw you off, and I, did, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. I was to, like, is he like, wait a second. He's <laughs> like, what, did I miss something there? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's, it's all good, though. All right, so let's start here now. Texans making some official moves. You know, stuff like, all right, we've talked about it before because it was reported, but the team didn't announce, for instance, Josh McCown being released, which I find interesting because we all assumed – I know we interviewed for the head coaching job, and that was broken by the team, actually. Yeah. We all assumed he would be on the staff in some way, shape, or form. And I guess anything's still possible. They have not announced the final staff roster – but McCown, for the moment, is not a Texan, not a player for any team, and not a coach for any team. Your thoughts? Ha! <sighs> kind of a matter of time. It feels like it feels like it's a matter of time. Like he'll he'll be back here, and I I hope that's the case. I I finished. Amazon does that show all or nothing, and I've right. talked with you about this. And I actually we were doing a show last spring uh, maybe i can't remember anyways i watched the, the 2019 show was on the eagles right and if you remember that season carson wentz kind of gets hot at the end of the season and gets the eagles on a run it's really cool to watch them get to the playoffs well josh mccown was carson wentz's backup and they showed him at one point over the weekend he would fly to charlotte or he'd practice, they'd get him a private jet, he'd fly to Charlotte, he'd be there for his son's football game, he'd coach in the game, he'd get up Saturday morning, he'd fly back to wherever Philadelphia was that, at that point playing, and then he would look at the game plan, get all ready to go, and he'd be ready to go on Sunday. And they allowed him to do that. And they had an episode kind of devoted to that. And then he plays in the playoff game. And actually, for a 40-year-old playing his first playoff game, and he basically tears his hamstring during the game, and he kind of right. keeps Philadelphia in it. And there's a moment at the end when, when they lose, and he's just distraught coming off the field. And yet it's kind of this combination of he's played all these years. He finally gets a playoff game. His hamstring is hurting, and he's literally walking towards the locker room. And as he's walking in the locker room, he just stops before he turns the corner. Because if he turns the corner, he's going to see all the media and everybody outside. And before he gets there to make that turn, he realizes he just stops and he just squats down and bends, and you can just hear him crying and hurting. And Zach Ertz comes around the corner and kind of picks him up, and they kind of walk in together. And it's like, oh, man. It was like the motion of that scene. You just realize how much the game matters to him. But just watching him in that whole season and how he responded to Carson Wentz, how he helped Carson Wentz, how he helped other players, watching him on the sideline with the Texans, while he was a player, kind of a player coach this past year, he would talk to everybody. I would see him talking to receivers. I would see him talk to offensive linemen. I would see him talk to defenders. 
I saw him talk to everybody, and you could just see everybody kind of nod their head, like, yeah, you're right, you know, moving on. He is somebody I would absolutely love to keep around this organization in some way, shape, or form. I don't care what he does. I don't care if he carries towels. I don't care if he's the eighth quarterback. doesn't matter. He's the kind of player, the kind of person and leader you'd like to have around an organization. And so I'd like to see Josh come back. Now, again, family plays a big role. I think his kids are in high school still. So they're playing ball, and so he wants to be around that. He eventually wants to be a coach. I hope eventually starts in 2021, but we'll see. But he – I mean, that all or nothing just – I had read a lot of stuff prior to that about him. But when I saw that, it just sold me all the way. I was, I was in hook, line, and sinker that I want Josh McCown to be part of this organization for a long time. Well, I think that uh, – look, he'll have a chance to coach somewhere, and I don't know if it'll be here. And – you know, you never know what he wants. Like you yeah. said, he wants to watch his kids play some ball, and he knows how much work goes into it, that if you're an assistant coach, any kind of coach, for an NFL team, Friday night is it, basically, as far as freedom during the fall. That's it, yes. right? In college, right. it's Thursday night. In the pros, it's Friday night. And that's it. Maybe a little time Sunday night after the game. Maybe a little time, but you're pretty much fried at that point. And they play high school football on Friday night, but not every time, right? There's a lot of Thursday, a lot of Saturday action. So I'm not sure how he's going to look at it and if he wants to wait a few years or what. All right, other news. The team officially announces the signings of Cornell Armstrong, Dontrell Hilliard, and Buddy Howe. We talked about these guys before because the news was broken by other means, other media outlets. But now they make it official. So you get two running backs in there with Hilliard and Howe. Howell, obviously, really good special teams player. Cornell Armstrong, cornerback. Do we see him trying to find his way into the mix, Johnny, to get some significant playing time? I'm not talking about a starter, but can he crack the lineup somehow or at least some sort of rotation or become a contributor in the defensive backfield? Well, first, probably before anything else, is his contribution on special teams. So there's definitely that. Now, Cornell... You know, I, I, feel for these, I feel for the young guys that even if they've been around the league for a year or two, you know, they've been so disrupted by – and I'm not talking about just the Texans. I'm talking across the league. Yeah. Young guys that have been impacted by COVID, not able to go into building at times. They want to, you know, the growth of, you know, learning from veterans. I think that's one of the biggest things is learning from vets, you know, how, to, how the vets do things. And I think young guys like Cornell would be able to uh, benefit from – situations like that but look he can run he's not the smallest guy in the world I mean he's not he's not Lonnie Johnson size but mm-hmm. you know, he's not the smallest guy in the world and there are times in training camp where you see him make a play and you're like yeah man okay yeah let's go that's the kind of play that can get more um, recognition and get more like eyeballs like wait hey man 38 Courtney nice job all right you're watching the film as a coach and you're going hey man Courtney Armstrong is stringing one play after another no matter who you're going against, he's doing a nice job. And then practice after practice, and before you know it, you look up and go, man, he's had a couple of good weeks, really good weeks. Hey, let's give him some looks in a preseason game. And that's the other thing. Without preseason games, that opportunity to step out there when the lights are bright and really show what you can do, you just – those scrimmages were great. But you just get so much more in a preseason game. So I think that probably set him back too. But I think Corny can run, and I think that of anything, that being able to run – and continuing to learn, uh, lean on technique and making sure the technique is pristine. Those two things, if he can do that, look, this corner situation I think is going to be way up in the air. And I got a feeling that there will be something 
around the NFL that we'll talk about having to do with someone the Titans released today, officially, that he could be thrown in the mix too. Basically, all the corners are going to be just throwing this big booyah base and say, all right, let's go. What do we, what do we got? And try and find a couple guys that can go out and start, three, four guys that can give you depth and go in. Uh, when asked, nickel, dime, whatever the case might be, we just need guys to go out and cover and compete. Uh, and Cornell Armstrong will certainly do that. Cover and compete. That would be good. That's a plus, yes. no question. The, All right, the, the running backs, we've talked a ton about Howell over time, but Hilliard, does he have a shot to be in the mix as a regular contributor as a ball carrier? I'm not talking about the feature guy, but I'm talking about in the mix as a ball carrier. We saw him later in the season as a return man. Your thoughts? I think with David Johnson coming back, and I do think a rookie will be added to the mix or another young, you know, another young free agent. Again, the thing about it is it's not as if last year the running backs just went off where you were like, oh, yeah, lock, stock, and barrel. Those guys, they had good <laughs> no. moments. They had good moments. So, to me, kind of the running backs in the corners are kind of the same, and that is mix the booyah base up, and there's probably going to be – some good parts of it, some bad parts. Get the bad parts out, keep going with the good parts. And you just stack them together. Like, okay, here's Hilliard. Here's how. Here's what they can do. Hilliard, probably a little bit more uh, shake than Buddy. Buddy's more north-south. David, we know, is kind of a dual threat all around. He had 100 yards in either receiving or rushing the last three games. If he continues to do that, man, let's go. I think in this running back class, you can draft a running back and you can find one um, in the undrafted process. I think this I, – I really like this class of running backs because there are some guys that do some different things. I think they would fit really nicely into what I believe the Texans' offense will be. So I think these guys will all have an opportunity during training camp, but they're going to be pushed, I think, by some young guys. And the interesting part to me about the running backs is – Yesterday, you know who I pulled up to watch his college tape again? James Robinson from Illinois State. Wow. And go, man, what did, like, what did he look like? Is there somebody that looks like him? And there is somebody that I, that I thought about that didn't get a combine invite. And I thought, man, if you got that guy as a seventh rounder, an undrafted free agent, wouldn't that be just like getting James Robinson? That's C.J. Maribel from out of Coastal Carolina, who I think is fantastic. So I think there are options all the way along in this draft that you can find a running back. They're going to make it tough on the guys already here. They're going to be a, there's going to be a lot of competition thrown in Scotty Phillips in that mix too. So I'm really excited to see what they're able to do with that group of running backs. All right. In the group of running backs, you will not have Cullen Gillespie anymore because he's been released by the team. Seventh round draft choice. And he was the 12th man. We all know the story from Katie. And we loved this when he got picked because yeah. it was local. It was Texas A&M also. There was a lot to it. And I actually had an opportunity, it just happened by accident, to play golf with his uncle and his cousin in Galveston. Mm -hmm. And his uncle happened to coach Mike Evans when he was down there oh, at Galveston yeah. Ball as a hoops yeah. player. So that was just a whole serendipity happenstance thing for me. But anyway, Gilly's gone. And it's too bad. He'll have a chance to catch on somewhere else. But it's one of those things that happens in the offseason as they continue to trim this roster. Thoughts? Yeah, I think with – and I don't know that it's been um, – I don't know that it's been 100%. I don't know if we've announced it. I could be wrong on that. I, I don't think we've announced that the restricted free agents are signing again. We have heard that there was a plan to bring them back. 
Right. And I bring that up because Farrell Brown essentially played kind of a hybrid inline Y tight end H back fullback sort of spot and actually did a pretty nice job with it. Mm-hmm. So is there some redundancy, if you will, by bringing Cullen and Farrow back? And with Farrow, you get a little bit better pass receiver because that's what he does. But he gives you enough the fullback position that instead of carrying two guys, you carry one and away you go. So that, that to me is, I think, the opportunity because Cullen was banged up this year and the tight ends were banged up at some point. They went out and got Farrell Brown, who can kind of do both. And at that point, you know, the old adage we used to hear, the more you can do, well, that still applies in the NFL and always will. So to me, that's kind of what I looked at it and said, you, you probably can't carry both. Maybe you bring Gilly back at some point, but I don't think you can carry both. And Farrell Brown proved from being a pass catcher, from an inline guy, and from a fullback position, he's a pretty good fit. And I, I don't know that you could do that with Gilly. So you keep Farrell Brown. And at that point, if you're thinking special teams, well, you can go out and find somebody that can contribute on special teams. Here's another area where football is weird because – Gilly was hurt so much that, you know, if you were working a regular job, you know, you break into some sort of corporation and you got a cubby, although now you'd be working at home mostly, (laughs) but you know, you're trying to break in, you're trying to do a good job at a company, but you're out sick all the time and it's legit. You're out sick though. So you really can't do your job. I mean, that stinks. And that's really what's happened to Gilly. He can't really show what he can do on a regular basis. He's had flashes here and there, but he can't really show what he can do on a regular basis because he hasn't been healthy enough to do it staying on the field. And that definitely affects the future outlook because had he been healthy all along, maybe he proves that he's indispensable and that really no one is, but almost no one is, but you get my drift here that he would be able to demonstrate his abilities a little bit more and he just can't do it. Now he's a free agent. So we'll see how it goes for him along the lines of something you just mentioned a few moments ago. I wanted to ask you about how COVID is affecting the draft evaluation process. We saw that we had a college football season. In fact, we have one going on right now and I know you're doing another game this week. What are you doing this week, by the way? Oh, Ooh, Ooh. One of the best it's, – it's one versus two in the Southland Conference right now. It's Nichols against Sam Houston. Oh, it's going to be – I mean, I'm so pumped for this one on Saturday. Saturday well, at and noon. Then, and then guess what? You're doing the double dip. Yes. Because Saturday night, John Harris and I will broadcast on the great stage of the Merrill Center in Katy the Southland Conference Championship. The winner goes to the big dance. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. It's on Sports Radio 610 Live, 830 tip. Looking forward to that. It's going to be great, Johnny, to have you aboard that game. Usually it's Lopez. Uh, Lopez is um, – he's got a huge family event. His daughter's getting married next month, and they got oh, all this wow. family stuff, and he just yeah. can't make it. I appreciate you doing that. And I know you played hoops in high school, so you'll share your hoopage knowledge. Yeah, yeah, as, as much as I can. But that I'm, I'm looking forward to that day, to be able to call a football mm-hmm. game – at noon and then call the championship game at night. And I, you know, people sometimes like, you're such a football guy, but you know, basketball was really my sport growing up. And mm-hmm. a lot of people that uh, I still run into will you know, talk to me more about basketball, you know, things they remember more so than football, but yeah, I'm, I'm so totally looking forward to Saturday. That's going to be such a fun day to drive up to Huntsville and then drive over to Katie and call two games in one day. It's going to be really neat. Okay, have some coffee. Anyway, <laughs> but the evaluation process. So you see yeah. the players on tape, which I guess is 
pretty much everything. But I'm just thinking and wondering how many guys are going to drop? How many guys are going to fall through the cracks here? Later round nuggets. Guys who might have been more noticed because of what they either do at the combine or pro days or both, and maybe the buzz about them in general. How many players, and I know it's not a number that you can give us right now. It's not yeah. a question you can really answer, but that's going to be a thing, right? You're yeah. going to come up, you're going to see some sixth or seventh round picks that should have been drafted in the third or fourth round, or maybe guys drafted in the fourth or fifth round that could have been drafted in the second, third, or maybe even late in the first, probably yeah. not late in the first, but you, you understand what I'm saying here. There are diamonds in the rough to be had in this year's draft. There's no question. I actually think last year, Mark, there was more of an impact. And I'll give you the player as an example that I think it really impacted. K.J. Hamler was his name. If you remember K.J., he was at Penn State and was a wide receiver, slot wide receiver, return guy, and electric. And he could fly. I mean, fly. I was pumped about the combine. I remember writing about players that were excited at the combine because I just wanted to see them run. Hamler decides not to run. And he's a little – he's – He's thin. He's tiny. He's 5'9", 180. And he, he, decided, he threw up like 23 bench press reps. And I'm like, whew, he's killing his combine. Wait till he runs. He decides not to run. He's going to save it for his pro day. And his pro day was scheduled to be March 15th. So we know COVID's day really was March 12th. Right. So all of a sudden, there's no pro day. There's no workouts. And we never really know what K.J. Hamler was going to run the 40 in. And I guarantee that as soon as he ran his 428 or 429, whatever, uh, and I know it was going to be that low, had he done that, all of a sudden it is like house of fire. Because that's what happens in a lot of this. This guy just ran a 4-3. Man, you know, I really hadn't been paying attention to him. I need to go watch him again on film. You go watch him again on film, and you're like, hey, ooh, boy, I could talk myself into this now. And all of a sudden – I can move him up a round or two. Hamlin ended up going in the third round. I think had he run, I think it's a very, very easy to assume that he could have maybe gotten to the beginning of the second, maybe the bottom end of the first. Wow. And this year you're seeing guys run and work out, and it's, it's helping them tremendously. For example, today Rashawn Slater went to Clements High School, went to Northwestern, one of the top two, three tackles in the draft. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah has him as his top tackle. I have him as my number two tackle. Slater today ran a 4.85. He threw up 33 bench press reps, and he, uh, he ran 4.85. And he would not have done that last year. You, would, you probably might not have known that he'd done it at Pro Day. Well, all these guys are not working out at Pro Day because it's their only opportunity because there's no combine. So Rashawn Slater, although highly thought of, we now can put numbers behind it. And I think it's easier – for everybody to look at and say, hey, okay, Rashawn Slater, stamp him first rounder, away you go. Well, they got a corner by the name of Greg Newsom, who I love, love. He came in at 36 to Harris 100, but I watched another couple games two days ago, and he's, he's first rounder. I put him in my first round mock. I love him. Well, he ran a 4-3-1 today. That Oof. solidifies him. That solidifies him in the first round. I guarantee you, had he not done that, he would have probably been a top of the second, maybe mid-second round pick. Because they would have gone, eh, good player, but ah, we don't know if he can run. He locks up a 4-3-1 today, and away you go. So guys chose not to go to the combine or to not do anything at the combine, and then COVID hits, 
and they got no pro day. This year, at least they know, look, pro day is my one opportunity. I'm locked in, and that's what I'm going to work out and show everybody what I can do. Mm-hmm. I think it will actually help teams and players to have those pro days this year as opposed to not having them last year. What's the margin for error that you think teams give these 40 times that are taken at pro days as opposed to yeah. the time you trust at the combine? In fact, you can time it yourself by watching TV, not exactly, not accurately. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying here, at the pro day, is there some sort of margin for error if somebody runs a 4-3-1 you're like, well, at worst case, it's a 4-4, four, four, yeah. right? I mean, you've got a bunch of scouts there and you try and get a consensus. In fact, once all the 40s are run, the scouts at a pro day will all kind of get together in a huddle and they'll all kind of go through the times. And they'll say, you know, I had him at four, I had him at four, four, seven. And this guy's like, man, I had him at, I had him at four, five, two. And then there are just scouts that I know GMs and director of college, pers- uh, director of college scouting, but they just trust. They just know, okay, I know that time's legit. I know that guy's consistent right. about his times. When he takes the time, it's, it's fairly consistent. I think there's a definite art to it. And those are the guys you tend to rely on. But you rely as a GM a lot of times on, okay, who do we have at the pro day? What did the number of the pro day say? Does it jive with the combine? That's going to be the hard part because there's no combine pro day comparison. You're just going to have to roll with it. And then last and certainly most important is, hey, is that 4-3-1, does he play that fast? Do you see that yeah. on tape? And when you can say yes, then I think you can validate that time. If you can't, then you're like, I don't know, man. It just raises too many questions. Maybe that's a guy we want to not totally dive into. Or we've got to do more digging on it at that point. And so then you go back and you find out, yeah, he does play at 4-3-1. He can't flip his hips and run. This is legit. Okay, he moves up our board or whatever the case might be. So um, Greg Newsom as a Texan would be very nice, but he won't get to 67. Well, it's funny. It reminds me of the rookie with Dennis Quaid as Jim Morris. When the guys are measuring his uh, pitch speed with the radar guns behind the backstop, and they're all looking at each other like, what do you got? I got 97. I got 96. This is unbelievable. This guy's wearing jeans. And the baby's in the pickup truck, and the kids (laughs) are back there, and Jim Morris is trying to make it. Great movie, by the way, folks. The Rookie with Dennis Quaid. You can watch it with your kids. And John McClane is in it. It's one of the ten movies he's in. This time he's in it for 3.7 seconds. So – I he didn't is. realize he was in that. He's in that, Johnny. He's in the I press gotta go box. Back and watch it now. Where else would he be? He's in the yeah, press well, box, true. and he's given a. He does some acting in this movie. No speaking, no lines. But McLean is like kind of given a. Oh my gosh, I can't believe Jim Morris is doing this sort of head head bob, and uh, it's good. It's good acting by the general. I like it. So. Yeah, I mean, he's got plenty of uh, he's got plenty of pelts on the wall as it pertains to his movies. I just forgot that he was in that one. The I rookie, forgot that. The Longest Yard. Yes, I know that Secretariat. One. I'm going to miss a few here. Oh, my um, gosh. I have to admit this. I've oh, not seen Secretariat. Invincible. Oh, Secretariat is right in the front row when they're doing a press conference with Diane Lane, right? That's it, as the owner mm-hmm. of Secretariat. It's cool stuff. I mean, you got to hand it to the general. He is Yeah, he's an Invincible. I know that one. I've seen that. Yep. I've seen mm-hmm. that. I just I have to go back now and watch the rookie and find him. Yeah, all for all he, he plays seconds. reporters, which is a big stretch, uh, yeah. but he does it well, so that's good. Anyway, coming up next, we're going to play the game we play just about every Tuesday. It's called Who's Better? And on this week's edition, yeah, quarterbacks come up. They always do. Draft evaluators. Johnny's going to evaluate the evaluators and local stadiums and or arenas. It's all coming up next on Texans Radio.
Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Texans All Access. Great to have you aboard the program tonight. We talked a lot about the Texans news of the day. Nothing earth-shattering, some uh, transactional stuff, if you will. But let's get to the game that we play just about every Tuesday here. We call it Who's Better? Johnny, I know you're ready. So let's do it here. All right. Now, you have to bear with me here. Who's better? Carson Wentz or Ryan Tannehill? Now. You're going to want to say Tannehill. And when I say you, I mean people listening, driving. They're going to say, well, Tannehill, Mark, I mean, come on. He's playing well with the Titans. And look at Wentz. He's a disaster with the Eagles. But hold on for a moment. Wasn't Tannehill a disaster once upon a time with the Miami Dolphins? There was a reason why he was available in the first place. And the Colts, are they crazy like a fox here? Because Wentz is talented. We've seen him play well. Now you're with a good team. And Wentz, look where he was drafted. Now, Tannehill was drafted pretty high, too. But is Carson Wentz potentially better than Ryan Tannehill? What do you say? You're right. As soon as you hear it, you're like, Tannehill, come on, next question. But then... You make, a, you make a great case. Tannehill was thought to be dead, buried, gone. He was just – it was nothing. And then Mariota's backup. Johnny, Mariota's backup. That's yes. who he was. And there was no guarantee he was going to get this shot. But Mariota right. imploded, and then Tannehill takes over, and Here's, there we have it. And you just brought the big difference, though. Mm-hmm. When Tannehill went to Tennessee, there was no pressure on him. Mm. All yeah. pressure in the world is on Carson Wentz. Yeah. So I think yeah. that – that, that, there's one difference there. But Tennessee has a, had a running game, and Derrick Henry, the Colts have a running game. They have that offensive line, and they've got Jonathan Taylor. He didn't really have anybody to throw to. A.J. Brown was just a rookie. Corey Davis really wasn't that. Well, the Colts have a rookie in Michael Pittman, and they've got a couple guys that have been banged up. They're waiting on. Okay, I could see that. Tight end, tight end, Johnny Smith, Jack Doyle, Moali Cox. Okay, they're kind of similar in that regard. But the pressure that Carson Wentz is going to feel and how he deals with that, to me, is going to be the difference. I think that Carson Wentz, if I just went on kind of what I thought of them coming out of college, kind of as they went through their careers. Look, Tannehill had some successful moments in Miami. Wentz had some successful moments in Philadelphia. They probably had about the equal, equal amount. Both of them got hurt. It was tough in those first stops. I think Wentz, more talented overall, more physically gifted as a quarterback, not by much, but enough, that I'm going to say Carson Wentz. Okay. Next, who's better? Who's better, Mel Kuyper or Todd McShay? As a draft evaluator, who's better, Kuyper or McShay? What are your thoughts? And is there somebody else you want to throw in there as uh, a third party to all this? Because both those guys are on ESPN. I think that – I think Daniel Jeremiah is outstanding. Now, you know I'm biased to one individual because we've been long for – you know, long-time friends. That's Lance Airline, and we grew up doing this stuff, so I'm biased. But I think DJ is outstanding. But if I've got to pick between Kuiper and McShay – Yep. I would trust Kuiper a little bit more than I would McShay. And I say that because Kuiper over the years has actually, to me, gotten a little bit better with his evaluation. But Kuiper also talks to everybody. Mm. And so I know a lot of the stuff that he is talking about, he's gotten from people, but he's talking to people in the business. He's talking to GMs. He's talking to uh, scouts. 
And then, obviously, over the years, he's learned to you know, trust himself and what he sees. And so I've kind of flip-flopped. For a long time, I thought I was McShay. But I think over the last five to seven years, I would go back towards Kuiper. In large part, to me, that which kind of sells me, is the fact that Mel talks to as many people as he does. And at that point, I would go with Mel Kuiper. I've heard McShay say some things, and I'm like, that did not just come out of his mouth, did it? Is he crazy? That's not – oh, no way. I've not said that with Kuiper. I can listen to Kuiper and go, yeah, okay, I can see that. I got to hand it to Kuiper because he basically invented the industry as a national thing, right? I know locals will talk about Joel Bushbaum and how great he was and everything, and I know that people in Houston loved him and beyond, no doubt about it. But Kuiper is the guy. He's yeah, the he's national the guru. Yep. And, look, I can't grade everything they've done over time, but – I just have to give him a special place in broadcast history for what he's done to this particular part of the industry. But, you know, we love you the best in the Harris 100, of course. Wow, All right, next, it. who's better here, Johnny? Who's better, the Bengals with Joe Burrow or the Jags with Trevor Lawrence? Now, you can – obviously, the Bengals have a head start with Burrow, even though he got hurt, so they have a head start, though. And, look, they showed some promise even without Burrow at times. But – I want you to answer this because here are the Bengals, okay? Zach Taylor, the head coach. Yep. They got Burrow coming back from the injury. They're good to go, it would seem. But the Jags, Urban Meyer coaching, Trevor Lawrence potentially playing for them. Your thoughts? I like the Bengals, man. I know that um, we saw them week, what, 16? And it was Brandon Allen playing. Mm-hmm. But, man, offensively, I felt like – and they didn't have Joe Mixon. They didn't have yeah. Joe Burrow. They didn't have Jonah Williams. Right. They're obviously going to make a pick at number five, which I would think is offense, uh, offensively driven. You know, Jesse yeah. Bates is one of the better safeties in the league. I think there are more complete pieces in Cincinnati. I do think the Jags will get there. I don't think the Jags are there. They've got Josh Allen. They've got DJ Chark. I think their offensive line is okay. We found out today they're going to franchise Cam Robinson, which was a bit of a surprise. Um, but I think I would say right now the Bengals. Gosh. I, you know, it kind of goes back to your point of Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. You, you have a feeling you know what you're going to get from him. Right. And with James Robinson, okay. They got DJ Chark and hey, I don't know. I don't know. I love everybody else. LaVisca Chenault should be interesting. They do have a running game. But Cincinnati's got a running game with Joe Mixon. They've got uh, the wide receivers in T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, very, very good. Man, if they draft a guy like Kyle Pitts to throw in that mix, I think that's who I gave them uh, in, the, in the mock draft. My goodness, that offense could go from, yeah, pretty fun to watch to, oh, my God, they're really good. So I'm going to go Bengals by a hair right now. All right, I might include both those teams in a more likely to happen question later on Ooh. in the week. But okay. let me ask you this very quickly. Burrow and Lawrence going into their respective drafts, higher rated prospect. Lawrence? Trevor. Trevor, okay. not, not by a whole lot. In fact, I was looking at my my uh, Harris 100 from last year. I think Burrow was – I think I had him three or four maybe. Uh, Chase Young was one. I know that. Maybe Burrow was three or four, I think, in that mix. I've got Trevor number one. Trevor, I had Trevor number one after I saw him as a freshman. So I, I kind of feel like, okay, a few years from now, he'll be the number one guy. Just like DJ Uyunglele is going to be the number one guy a couple of years from now. And okay. wouldn't that be a fun name to say over yes, and over I'll, and over again? Go I will start practicing immediately. 
Next, who's better in the final one for today? Who's better? Sports venues in Houston, NRG Stadium, Minute Maid Park, or Toyota Center. Now, it doesn't matter how the teams are performing. It's just better sports venue for that sport. Now, this is a tough one to answer, but I just love the conversation. I think it's fun. I, it's, I mean, obviously, our office where we live is an energy stadium, so that's tough. Minute Maid Park is as cool a place to watch a baseball game as I've ever been. Uh, when that roof is open and it's a beautiful night, it's as fun a place to watch a game. I love watching a game uh, from Minute Maid Park. When I first got into business back in 2007, when I met you in 2007, we were up at the press, the press box at Minute Maid Park was right now where the Diamond Club is. Yep. And it was – I when I would where get put insperity, on the list – Where the Insperity Club is. Yes, Insperity Club, yeah. Yeah. I loved covering games. Loved it because it was the best seat, no doubt, in the house. No doubt the best in the house. Um, and when that roof was open and is open, I just think that's such a cool place to, to watch a game. It feels intimate, yet with the roof open, it feels sort of spacious. So I – Minute Maid Park, I can't, I can't pick against NRG Stadium. I love a game full of fans at NRG Stadium. And for a football game, it's just magnificent. Minute Maid Park for a baseball game is cool as, as all get out. I've, I've only, you know, it's funny. I've only been to, a, gosh, a couple of – a few, a handful of Rockets games. I, it, and so I don't have too much of a basis of comparison. Other than we went to Banker's Life Fieldhouse. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Indianapolis, That yeah. place was unbelievable i love cool. that place that That's, was such a great place that might be the best nba modern nba arena i've been yeah. at the best yep. nba arena i've been to is madison square garden i just think there's something about that place obviously the tradition and it just feels right when you're in yep. there and i've done some big east tournament games in there and it's just a tremendous basketball it is the mecca it's a tremendous basketball arena but as far as locals look i'm partial to nrg stadium i've always thought that from the time i first toured it before it was even open i thought this place is awesome because the sight lines are terrific from wherever you're sitting yeah. you know and i sit higher than anybody yes. and i don't complain i just think it's a tremendous view we get i've used the word tremendous a lot it's yep. a great view we get and i'm all over it all right one more segment there's plenty of stuff around the league to sink our teeth into. A lot of people making moves with free agency in the league year starting on the horizon. What's going on north of us on I-45? We'll get to all of it next on Texans Radio. Great to have you aboard, Texans All Access. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Okay, Johnny, let's go around the league here a little bit. We went over Texans transactions earlier in the show. We did who's better in the second segment right now. Stuff around the league, and Dak Prescott gets his deal, so good for him. We don't talk much about contracts on this particular show, but, you know, we like Dak. It's funny because yeah. I'm no Cowboy fan. You know this. Not <laughs> at all. But I just – I kind of like the guy. He's a likable guy, and good for him that he signed with them. And this is where I remind everybody that the Texans actually have more playoff wins than the Cowboys do since the Texans joined the league. We're talking 19 seasons here. That's how tough it's been for the Cowboys uh, since, what, the mid-90s. Yeah. I just thought I'd throw that in there for fun. Your thoughts? It's always fun to, it's always fun to bring, that, bring that up. I, I love Dak. In fact, at the Senior Bowl, I had a chance to interview Dak one-on-one, -on -one, and he was awesome. I mean, he just – he could not have been better – and at that time, we were still looking for a quarterback. 
And I felt like, boy, he'd be a really good fit in Houston for a lot of different reasons. You know, Dan Mullen was, um, was close with Bill O'Brien and they worked to, you know, in, in conjunction with one another for a long, long time. And Mull was a Northeastern guy. And so they kind of clicked. And so I thought, man, you know, maybe there's a connection there. Maybe Dak would be a guy for us. And then we ended up, you know, signing Brock that year and Dak, Dak goes to Dallas and Tony Romo gets hurt. And you know, the rest is history. I'll be interested to see how Dak's game evolves coming off the injury that he had last year. But if there's a player that I cheer for, and I don't cheer for his logo, I don't cheer for his team, but if there's a player I cheer for, it's Dak Prescott. I love the guy. I think he's everything that's good about the NFL. And I think him getting that money, I loved it. I loved seeing it for him, his family. I know there's been some, some really true, you know, tough things that Prescott family has gone through recently. And Dak has been very vocal about it. And I'm glad he has because it's helped a lot of people. And I was glad to see him stay uh, in the Metroplex. So I'm glad for Dak, happy for Dak. Not so happy for Cowboys fans, but, you know, is what it is. We'll go with it. I like Dak. So um, good for him. They finally got it done. They should have gotten it done last year, and it probably would not have been as costly. But they probably – here, this is what happens. Guy gets hurt. Your team goes three and seven without you. You go, yeah, he's probably more valuable than we thought. Here's more money. And there you go. Yeah, that did work out for him in that way for sure. And they also put the tag on him for contractual reasons that yeah. we won't get into right now. All right, so the Titans. Jayon Brown medically cleared to uh, – to participate in football activities. And what else did the Titans do today? I'm pulling it up right now. They they released one Malcolm Butler. So I ask you, Mark Vandermeer, yes or no? I, you know, I think they want to go younger. I just have this feeling about the Texans that they want to go younger than Malcolm Butler at this particular stage of their development. Does he really solve your problems? No. We didn't really think, look, he plays hard. There's no yes. doubt there's effort there with Malcolm Butler, but does he have the speed and coverage ability you want? Now, it might be a beggars can't be choosers situation. You want to get Correct. better in the secondary. Is he better than a lot of guys that you were looking at anyway, or that you have? And does he make you an improved secondary, especially at the cornerback position? You've got to evaluate those things, Johnny. What do you think? I, I don't know that he makes you appreciably better. Mm-hmm. But the business of football, at this point, he's released. How expensive will he be to bring him on? Can you find one more year? You know, can you find one more really good year like 2015 when he was really, really good? 2015, 2016, we saw him up close. He he was a very, very good player, no doubt. I think it started, you know, the crack started showing in 2017. He didn't play in that Super Bowl. Then he goes to Tennessee. And in Tennessee, I don't know that I ever saw the Malcolm Butler that we saw in New England. But you know that Nick Casario has experience with him. You know that, um, the, you know, they know him obviously from up in New England. So is there, is there something there that they're like, Hey, I think maybe we can not get hometown discount, but he knows us. We know him. Maybe there's something there and he comes in and again, he's added to the mix. He doesn't have to be the number one corner. He's just got to be solid. And I think in Tennessee, it just had gotten to a point where it wasn't, it wasn't working out anymore. It didn't fit. So, I didn't have any problems during games when we would attack his side, but that was attacking with one of the best receivers in the league and Will Fuller. So 
I think he would make the secondary better. I just don't know that he makes it appreciably better. Gotcha. Uh, Trent Brown going back to New England via trade from the Raiders. And remember, when they acquired him, a lot of people thought, why did you sign Trent Brown to the Houston Texans? He ends up being a right tackle there, not a left tackle. They still haven't made the postseason with him, right? And what do you think? Because he's going back to the Patriots. Also, they will not tag Joe Tooney. Yeah, which there were some surprising tag announcements today. Mm-hmm. The Saints are $60 million over the cap, and they just tagged Marcus Williams. I'm like, what? Okay. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of a surprise. Um, Brandon Scherf being tagged by the, Red, the Washington football team, I almost did it. I thought the Patriots would tag Joe Tooney, but, again, I mean, that's a decent chunk of change that they're just, they've gotten in, in, the, in the mode. They've been doing it for 20-plus years with Belichick. They're just not going to overpay for – High-priced free agents. You got to go, you got to go. Logan Mankins was the same way. Got to a point where it was just too expensive. Logan, go ahead. Well, we're going to trade you Tampa Bay so you can go get a big contract. Chandler Jones, same thing. So somebody's going to get a really good football player in Joe Tooney. I, I was a little bit surprised. But Trent Brown going back tells you one of two things, that they don't believe in Isaiah Wynn, who was a first-round pick a couple of years ago. Remember that? The Patriots had two first-round picks, Isaiah Wynn and Sony Michelle. Mm. And, you know, Sony had a good rookie year, but since it's not been great. Yeah. So now they get Trent Brown back. We'll see what they do with Isaiah Wynn. He could always go into guard. But it just kind of goes to show you can have a couple of, couple of draft picks in the first round. Boy, if you don't hit on them. And injuries were a factor for both of them, I will say, for Wynn and Michelle. But Trent Brown going back for not only picks, not this year, but next year. It's next year's picks. So essentially the wow. Patriots are kind of getting him. What's the, what's the word I'm looking for here? The Patriots are like spinning him and bringing him back. And they really did. It, it's like almost no cost to them in some sense. It's crazy how they've done that. Now we'll see if he can still play, mm-hmm. but if he can, you now the Patriots, well, they just got one up on the Raiders, which is not surprising. That's like no payments for the first six months or 0% down. That kind of thing. They're yeah, getting, exactly. they're delaying the pain. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Johnny. Well, thanks a lot. We'll, uh, we'll be out back on tomorrow. We appreciate it. You got it, Mark. Thank you. All right. Tomorrow, John Harris hosts on Draft Wednesday. So we'll go over that. And Johnny and I are going to catch up with John Grenard real soon. You're going to hear that on Texans Radio, DP Sidhu with Ross Blacklock. We got all that coming up. It's going to be so awesome. Just keep it here. Weeknights, 6 to 7 p.m. And keep it on Sports Radio 610 all day long. Have a great evening, everyone, and go Texans.